today on the subject of the unexpected Christmas. The unexpected Christmas. Well, the little city of Salzburg, Austria, could be called the most musical place on earth. It's the birthplace of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, the Von Trapps from The Sound of Music, and a man named Joseph Moore, who's the author of the lyrics of the world's most beloved Christmas carol, Silent Night. Here's the story behind that. It was Christmas Eve, 1818. Father Joseph Moore was preparing for the special midnight service, but he was quite distraught. You see, the church organ had broke down, and it ruined that evening's carefully planned music. The day before that, Joseph Moore was called to the bedside of a dying parishioner. By the time he returned home, the hour was late. The valley lay in darkness below. That night, the priest paused as he overlooked the town. The events of that day had had left him drained and quite saddened. And as he looked down in the valley below against that black curtain, he saw a faint light from a distant home. And against that black curtain of night, that light shone even brighter. And as the priest stood there, he pondered the light, and he thought to himself, it must have been something like this, that silent holy night in Bethlehem. And suddenly, he was hit with a flash of inspiration, he hurried home, he sat at his desk, and he scribbled down the timeless lyrics to Silent Night. He then returned to the church and gave the text to his organist, a man named Franz Gruber, and he explained the situation, and he asked Franz if he would compose a simple tune to go along with the lyrics. And the story goes that on that night, December the 24th, 1818, Silent Night was sung for the first time as a duet accompanied by guitar. And in just a few years, the song spread across Europe and the rest of the world. But here's the point of it. Were it not for a broken organ, there would not have been the song, Silent Night. And I tell you that story to say to you today, our, our problems are God's pulpits to instruct us in the ways of Romans 8.28. That all things work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Even a broken organ. Our disappointments can be His divine appointments. Our obstacles can become His opportunities. And I'm constantly amazed at how God can take the unexpected and He can take the chaos and work through that and bring something beautiful from the ashes of our lives. As I revisited the Christmas story once again, I was reminded of how much of the theme, the unexpected, seemed to emerge over and over again as I read the birth narrative in Luke 1 and 2. You see, friends, we become so familiar, so saturated in the Christmas story that we forget that all of this happened to real people in real time who did not have the benefit of looking ahead in their Bible to see how the story would end up. So oftentimes the familiarity of the story can breed a contempt with the truth therein. But 
on this theme of the unexpected. Think about this. Mary was told by Gabriel to prepare for an unplanned pregnancy. Joseph's sleep was often interrupted by unusual dreams. Then there was the unexpected decree from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered, which led to an unexpected journey to Bethlehem. And then I remind you that she gave birth in an unlikely place, a smelly stable, because the Bible says there was no room for them at the inn. And then don't forget the unannounced visitors, what everybody loves at Christmas time, the shepherds, the magi who came later. And so the Christmas story is filled with the unexpected. Jesus was not born into circumstances that were budgeted for, nor did he arrive at a time in Mary and Joseph's life when it was convenient for them to have a baby. There were angelic announcements, there were miracles, there were events outside the holy couple's ability to control. Friend, as I read the Christmas story this year, I noticed how unexpected those events were, even though God had foreshadowed them and foretold them through the prophets. And isn't that a whole lot of life, by the way? It's been said that life is about 90% what happens to you and 10% how you react to it. If you live long enough, you're going to be assaulted by the unexpected, the thing you didn't plan for, the thing that you didn't budget for, the thing you didn't pray for. And yet, that's what happened to Mary as I read Luke 1 and 2. And so in this message today, we're going to catch on to that theme of the unexpected Christmas and I want to unpack that for you and help you to better understand what does that mean for my life today number one I want you to notice with me today as we turn in our Bibles Christmas and the unexpected plan of God Christmas and the unexpected plan of God let's read beginning in Luke 1 down to verse 26 Listen to what the Bible says here. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, what is it, church? Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And all God's people said today, Amen. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered unto her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, with that angelic announcement, Mary's plans of starting a family with Joseph were interrupted, and her future is radically changed in a moment. In fact, 
think about what is going through the young girl's mind after she receives this news. When she tells Joseph he's going to be hurt and bewildered until God sees fit to speak to him in the dream of Matthew chapter 1. By the way, with this news and her growing belly, her reputation is going to be trashed by judgmental people who don't have all the facts and assume the worst. And meanwhile, she's facing her first pregnancy, a tall order for a 15, 16-year-old girl. Maybe you can relate to Mary, though, today. Because life is full of the unexpected. Life is full of those surprises, unpleasant some of them may be. Maybe you had plans of marrying Mr. Wright or Miss Wright, but things didn't work out, and now you have a broken heart. Maybe you and your spouse planned on growing old together, but death and sickness have intruded, and today or this year you're spending Christmas by yourself. You have had that dream of having kids, but you went to the doctor, and the doctor said, it's out of the picture for you. Uh, it's medically impossible, they say. Maybe you didn't plan on changing careers or being handed a pink slip or having to move out of your house or something out of your control just being piled in on top of you. And in the middle of it, you want to throw up your hands and say like Mary, God, I didn't ask for any of this. Where's this coming from, Lord? I didn't sign up for any of the stuff that's been placed on my plate. But you know what's amazing is you read this story, you don't get the slightest hint from the text that Mary retreated or was resentful or doubted or even resisted the plan of God. In fact, if you keep reading on, in verse 38, there was total submission, total willingness, total obedience and peaceful acceptance. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me, according to your word. Wow. God, it's okay for you to come into my life and, and bring a wrecking ball to all of my plans and flip my life upside down and uh, destroy what dreams I might have. God, I'm okay with that. Lord, I'm okay with the unexpected for you to interrupt things. That's a simple faith, isn't it? The simple faith in Mary that made her a prime candidate to be the mother of the Messiah. To surrender so readily to such a high calling. That's the mark of faith, isn't it? And the mark of faith, listen, is when you experience the peace of God, even when the plan of God doesn't make sense in your mind. When you don't know what the end of the story is going to be, when you don't know how all the details are going to get worked out, but somehow in a way that you can't explain and the lost person certainly can't understand, you've got an abiding peace deep in your soul that only comes from knowing God. And some people today are afraid to say yes to God. They're afraid to surrender in that moment like Mary did when God comes calling. They're afraid to go all in because they think, well, if I go all in for the plan of God, I'm going to end up being the loser. I'm going to lose out on something in life, some kind of experience that I wanted to have. God's going to shortchange me, and I won't get to experience uh, thus and so in my life. Now, let me clarify that and say, no doubt, there's always a personal cost in answering God's call. Is there not? 
But there's also a deep settled peace that comes into your life when you surrender to God's plan. And that plan, by the way, let me remind you, is always a thousand times greater than the little tiny plan that you had for yourself. You see, Mary had a, a, a little life planned out with Joseph, a happy little home and a, and a, a, work, a work life and a, a peasant life in Nazareth. But then God stepped in unexpectedly and changed things and He revealed to her that the plan He had for her life was much greater than the plan she had for herself. You see, friend, here's the message to you today. Sometimes the only way God can give us the best for our lives is He has to take a wrecking ball to the good plans we have for ourselves. And as long as you're holding on to those little trinkets, He can't place upon you the greater calling, the greater blessing that He really wants to give you. Some of us are afraid to say yes to God. We're afraid to commit our lives, afraid to sign up and say, I'm with you, Lord, whatever that might look like. But I don't see that when I study Mary's life. I see surrender to the unexpected plan of God. When I first came to this church, you want to talk about some unexpected that hit me like a ton of bricks one year. Some of you are new to the church and you haven't heard this story. Some of you are who are a little bit older, been around with me a little bit through my tenure you know this but when I first came to this church I came as the youth pastor and things were going good in my life for a little over a year and then unexpectedly I get news from the pastor who brought me here the morning of he said oh by the way I'm resigning today that's when I found out about five minutes before the service started you talked about unexpected I'm sitting there the whole service just waiting for that load to drop on people. Well, in the meantime, he ended up going to another church, and a lot of families ended up leaving and going to other churches as well. And I can remember on that Sunday standing out there on the steps of that church just kind of looking out bewildered over what had happened. People were weeping. There was sadness among the congregation. And somebody stood out there and asked me, they said, Derek, are you going to leave too? And you know what I told him? I said, I don't know what God's plan is, but right now, he hadn't given me the green light to go anywhere. And friend, I'm telling you, it was unexpected that whole next era of months because here I was in my 20s. I wasn't even married yet. I was trying to be the youth pastor. I was trying to do the preaching on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We was having PM services back then. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never been a pastor in my life. And all of a sudden, here it is thrown on top of me. And friend, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you may have figured this out. But I was making it up as I went along. I didn't know what I was doing. But I'll tell you what God did. Hey, I'll tell you what God did. At that time in my life, I had been praying for God to send me a choice woman. And unexpectedly, I walked into a restaurant and she was sitting there. The one that God had reserved for me from before the foundation of the earth. And things begin to come in place in my life. You know, you get the right woman around you, things fall into place, don't they? That began to happen with me. And now look, ten years later, uh, three children and five chickens and three cats and one dog and a mortgage later. Look where we are. But at the time, as I look back on it, 
I, here I was in a, in a basically a church split uncertain future didn't know what I was doing had so much on me trying to do so many things uh, I was begging God for answers and yet God said no this is what you signed up for stay here stay faithful keep preaching I'll build this thing for you I've got a future in store for you I called you I equipped you this is my calling for you and friend I'm here today to stand in front of you to say the unexpected plan of God is the choice plan I would have picked had I had an opportunity to do it over again because His plan for me was much greater than the plan I had for myself. And I'm thankful for the unexpected plan of God, how He threw a, a, a monkey wrench in all of my design. And here we are today. Amen? The unexpected plan of God. Mary discovered that and she discovered her purpose and friend listen when you know your purpose the reason for which God places you here on the earth when you realize that purpose there's a deep settled peace that begins to settle in upon you because you know you're doing the will of God and you have the blessing of God and the spirit of God and you're immortal until God's will for you is fulfilled in that way so Here's something that I learned through all that season and through studying the scriptures. Up, You may want to jot this down. Listen to this. God's invitations often appear as interruptions. God's invitations often appear as interruptions, just like it did in Mary, interrupting her daily routine. And God says, I've got a plan for you, just like what God had did in my life when he uh, interrupted my life and uh, gave me extra responsibility. But you know what? It was an interruption, but it was also an invitation. Come out and walk with me. Walk by faith. I'll, I'll be with you. I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not understand. I'll give you the pathway. I'll provide for you along the way. I'll give you grace every day. I'll equip you for what you've got to do. That's my God. And friend, that's the unexpected plan of God. When God does the unexpected, He comes into our neat, ordered, boring little lives. And he shows us something great. That's Christmas and the unexpected plan of God. But then I want you to see also today, number two, Christmas and the unlimited power of God. Christmas and the unlimited power of God. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And in verse 37, she, uh, the angel reiterates, For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, Mary is a simple country girl from Galilee. She wasn't dumb, but she knew enough. And had enough understanding of the birds and the bees, right? Amen? She surrenders a lot to the Lord's plan, including her finite understanding of science and biology. Notice an angel's explanation to her. She says, angel, how's this going to happen? I've never been with a man before. Does he lay out the five-year plan for her? Does he answer all of the theological questions? Does he go into depth into the biology of, of how God is going to do that in her womb? No. He just says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High 
will overshadow you. Now put yourself in her sandals for just a moment. How many of you would be saying, I'd like a little bit more details, please. <laughs> a little bit more information. Could you fill me in, please? But Mary doesn't get that. In fact, if you study the Bible up to this point, you understand a virgin birth would be a miracle with no precedent in biblical history. Mary had nothing in the Old Testament to look back upon and say, oh, yeah, God had done this before, so I can just have faith about it. In the Old Testament, listen, God named each star. God caused city walls to crumble. He preserved his people through fire, and he made blessed, uh, he blessed barren women with children, but God had never accomplished a virgin birth in history. And that begs the question, how do you believe God for something completely new and impossible? Now, now there's some who are, will draw a line here at the virgin birth. There's some believers or so-called believers who will say, Pastor, I'm good with you up until that point, but I just can't get my mind wrapped around this virgin birth. But the idea that Jesus is supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit is mocked by skeptics and denied by liberal Christians. It's one of the most attacked doctrines in the Word of God. In fact, a few years ago, Robert Shuler, any of you remember him? The famous televangelist from the Hour of Power. He had his TV show. He was the pastor of the Crystal Cathedral. But somebody said in an interview, he said, quote, I could not in print or in public deny or affirm the virgin birth of Christ. When I have something I can't comprehend, he said, I just don't deal with it. Everybody at that point should have folded up their Bible and walked out of that man's church. He said, look, if I can't understand it, I don't deal with it. Well, hello, you can't be much of a Bible preacher then because there's a whole lot in there that I don't understand. And I don't have to understand it all to believe it all, friend. I can have imperfect faith in a perfect God. And I'd rather have weak faith in a big God than strong faith in a little God. And strong faith, if you're sitting on a branch... Strong faith in a weak branch won't do you any good. But I'd rather have weak faith in a strong branch. That'll hold you up, won't it? Now, somebody asked a question to me one time. They said, can you disbelieve in the virgin birth and be a Christian? Here's my answer. You cannot fully understand the virgin birth and still be a Christian, but you cannot deny the virgin birth and still be a Christian. And when the Bible says it, that settles it. I may not have the understanding behind it but you know what that's just like God that's why it's a miracle friend <laughs> amen but here's why the virgin birth is so important the virgin birth perfectly preserves the humanity of Christ without compromising the deity of Christ you see if Jesus escaped the birth process then he would not have been fully human and if Jesus were born just like you and me from the union of a man or a woman, he would have inherited a sin nature. And in either scenario, Jesus would not have been a perfect, all-sufficient Savior. But my God, knowing the human body and being able to look down through the corridors of time, 
had a way where he could enter into humanity as 100% God and receive 100% a human nature, preserve his, his uh, sinlessness, his purity, and come into the world 100% man, 100% God, so that when he went to the cross, he could reconcile these two parties, man and God, heaven and earth, and bring together that which was estranged and bring reconciliation and forgiveness to the human race because he's an all-sufficient Savior. Uh, Paul said, Timothy, uh, there is uh, one mediator and uh, one go-between between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. Oh, he had it all worked out in the councils of eternity. It was all planned. It was all precise. And he came into our time and into our space in such a way that he fulfilled prophecy and he kept hold of his deity and he became the reconciler, the redeemer, the savior, the everlasting father, the king of kings, the prince of peace. Somebody help me preach this in the house of God today. Friends, listen to me. If you're struggling with this, if God could speak and create the universe out of nothing by the power of his word, then the virgin birth is mere finger painting. <laughs> if you're the God who throws out the stars and the planets into their proper orbits, if you're the God who can reach down and carve the riverbed and pluck up some soil and raise up a mountain if you're the God who can walk across water and split seas if you're the kind of God who can send fire from heaven and feed them with manna in the wilderness if you're the God that can open up a channel through the Red Sea and provide a way for God's people then I'm telling you this virgin birth is a small thing in the hand of my a powerful God Christmas and the unlimited power of God. If you try and explain the virgin birth, you may lose your mind. And if you try and explain it away, you'll lose your salvation. I love what David Jeremiah said. He gives an interesting point in one of his books. Listen to what he said. He said, quote, Throughout the history of Christianity, the virgin birth of Jesus has been one of the most misunderstood and reviled doctrines of the Christian faith. But there's something he said in the account of Jesus' death that forever defeats the attempt of the skeptics to deny the virgin birth. Mary, he said, Jesus' mother was there at Jesus' trial and on Golgotha when he was crucified. She no doubt cried as she saw him being beaten and abused. To prevent his death, all she had to do was step forward and say to his enemies, No, he's not the Son of God. He's the son of Joseph. I'm his mother, and I know his identity better than anyone. Please spare his life. But look at this. But Mary stood there watching Jesus die because she knew in her heart that the charge against him was true. He was the son of God. Amen. A few years ago, I read the little book, The Case for Christmas. In that book, the author Lee Strobel, he tells the story of a very brilliant man, a man named William Lane Craig. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Craig is he's today he's one of the leading Christian apologists and scholars. He's written so many books, and he regularly eats the atheist lunch on the debate stage when they have the debates between the atheist and the believer. It's, Dr. Craig just always destroys him. But in that book, he tells the story of William Lane Craig, how as a young man, he rejected Christianity, and he said that one of the reasons is because he thought the virgin birth was absurd. 
But as Craig, listen to this, began learning more about the complexity of creation and the vast biological information contained in DNA, he said it became inescapable that there had to be a creator. And if there's an almighty God, then miracles are possible. Craig admitted that I became a Christian as a young man even though I did not have an answer for the virgin birth. And let me add, it's supposed to be that way. He said this, great quote. He said, you don't need to have all your questions answered to come to faith. You just have to say, the weight of the evidence seems to show this is true and trust God with what you cannot wrap your head around. It is a small thing for the Creator to enter His creation. Amen? Amen? And Christmas, friend, is a time for unexpected miracles, is it not? That's what we saw here in Luke chapter 1, including a hardened skeptic, somebody who's bent and cold to the things of God, coming to faith in Jesus. And the virgin birth is a great miracle, but I know one that's even greater. It's the salvation of a soul. When somebody who is sin sick and hopeless, somebody who's wrapped in the chains of sin and could not free themselves, when they find out that the babe was born so that they might be born again and they find the freedom and the deliverance and the fulfillment that they've been searching out there in the world for, when they find that it's only in Christ, oh, friend, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that God is still doing today. He only did one virgin birth. Oh, but think of all the millions down through the years who've been touched and redeemed and set free by Jesus he was the Christ child, but he's the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth. And friend, if you don't know him today, friend, you truly don't know the blessing that I'm talking about. Oh, but you can. You can give your heart to him. You can say, Lord, I don't have all the answers. I don't understand everything in this book. Uh, God, uh, my sins are real long and my ledger is real black. But if you'll take me as I am, I'm all yours. And what you'll find out is that if you submit to the unexpected plan of God you'll find the power of God in your life he'll clean you up he'll change you he'll transform you he'll do things inside your heart your soul that you never thought anything could do but my God says with him all things are possible the son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God I'm asking you today friend do you need a miracle Hey, I know the God who delivers. I know the God who still answers prayer. I know the God who still hears, heals cancer and opens up the womb of the woman. I know a God who will set somebody free. I know the God who will save somebody from the brink today. Save them out of religion and save them out of tradition. I know a God who will move in your family and rescue that one who's so wrapped up in dreams. That prodigal son or daughter. Hey, the power of God unto salvation, Paul said. I am not ashamed of it. You see, friend, I ain't just read this. I experienced it. I know the power of God. Not just because I read it, but because I lived it. I felt the abiding presence of God in my life. I felt the power of God when I stood up here and felt like I didn't have anything to offer anybody. Oh, but the Holy Spirit of God overshadows and moves and gives you the words and gives you the, the ability. I know the power of God. Let me tell you a little story that some of you may not know. And I may embarrass Elise a little bit. 
if she's okay with that. Last year, we had our candlelight Christmas on December the 23rd. We had our service. It was a beautiful service, packed out, priests hard, went home discouraged. As I thought in my heart, you know, every preacher thinks they ought, revival ought to break out with every message that he preaches, but it's just not the reality. So sometimes if somebody don't get saved, we beat ourselves up about it. Well, I got home after that service, my phone was ringing. Picked it up. Oh, it's Elise. And I answered the phone, and I heard the awfulest bunch of squalling and crying. I said, Elise, calm down. Tell me. Use your words. And she said, it happened. It happened. I, uh, my, my boy, Liam, he got at some point during the service between the, the singing and your preaching. And when we went home, he said he sat there in the pew and asked Jesus to come into his life. And friend, I had to put down the phone. And I thought I heard footsteps through the phone of her doing a couple of laps around the house. But I'm telling you, God will put an unexpected miracle in your way when you weren't really thinking He had done anything. I went home discouraged and defeated, thinking that God hadn't moved. And yet, God had done business in the heart of a little one sitting out there in the pew. And I believe every time I get up here, God might save somebody else. And they wonder, they say, Pastor, why do you get excited about coming to the house of God? Why do you get fired up the way you do? Because God may save somebody when you don't expect it. And when you think you failed flat on your face, God will come in and shake things up and remind you Hey, I'm still a good God. I'm still a faithful God. Uh, you plant the seed, and I'll take care of the rest. That's Christmas and the unlimited power of God. Amen. I'm done with this. Number three, Christmas and the unlikely presence of God. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. Listen to what the Bible says. In those days, chapter 2, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, verse 6, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. I'm talking about the presence of God. Jesus had a human birth, a humble birth, and a homeless birth, didn't he? And surely... If God could have sent a star to guide wise men all the way from Arabia across the desert to Bethlehem, surely if God could have done that, He could have made an RSVP for Mary and Joseph at the Bethlehem Inn. But as a sovereign God, think about this, Jesus was the only person who had a choice about how and where to come into the world we don't get to choose the family we're born into. We don't get to choose the circumstances or the place in which we are born. But God being outside time and space was the only person who could. And Jesus chose this little peasant couple 
to fulfill the word of God. He chose a smelly stable over a comfortable cradle. Oh, he could have been born in the, the regal halls of the emperor's palace in Rome. He could have been born in a, a five-star hotel surrounded by opulence and silk sheets and servants. But God chose a cold, smelly pen for livestock to come into the world. He was born in a manger so that no man could reject him on the basis of social status. Nobody could ever look at the circumstances of Jesus' life and say, well, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and therefore I can't relate to that kind of God. No one can claim it's difficult for me to identify with Jesus because he was born with all the advantages of life. No, friend. Oh, when he came down, listen to me. He came all the way down. He reached down further than what I could reach up. He had to come all the way down to get me. Oh, friend. He came all the way down so that even the lowest of humanity could find it easy to reach out and find a Savior. Friend, listen to me. Christmas is not a rags-to-riches story. It's a riches-to-rags story. And what we see here in Luke chapter 2 is the unlikely presence of God. Who would have ever planned it this way if you and I was on heaven's planning committee? How are we going to set up the birth of the Savior? We wouldn't have done it this way. We would have planned a parade and fireworks and, and, and grand spectacle. Oh, but friend, listen to me. That's the unexpected nature of God. God doesn't do things the way man thinks they should be done. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And the scandal and the beauty of Christmas is that He was not afraid to enter into this dark and dirty and depraved world. And because the infinite became an infant as Emmanuel, then we can know, friend, we're never really alone. He came into this dark world. Oh, how he loves us. And oh, how he searches and seeks for the lost. And he finds us. <laughs> and he claims us as his own. That's the unexpected presence of God. Let me close here today. There's a story that was in the New York Post a few years ago. About how God showed up in this man's life on Christmas Eve. It was 2001, and Dean Simpson was jilted, jobless, and joyless. Earlier that year, his father had died of cancer. His fiancée had broken off their engagement. Then, of course, we all remember 9-11. He grieved the loss of many of his fellow NYPD officers who died at the World Trade Center. Added to his darkness was an injury which had sidelined him from duty. Dean turned to alcohol, which only spiraled him deeper into depression. And so on Christmas Eve 2001, by the way, you know Christmas is a dark time for a lot of people. On Christmas Eve 2001, Dean Simpson boarded a train headed for upstate New York, and in his pocket he had a pistol. And it was that night he decided... He was going to find a quiet, remote place and end what he thought was a useless life. 
But on the train ride out of town, the article said he was befriended by what Dean called an angel. A chatty old woman, the only other one on the train, named Erin. At first, as the lady started to chat him up, he said, leave me alone. But Dean said, quote, she gently drew me in. She told me about how she recently lost her husband and how she too was alone on Christmas and her compassion reeled me in. Before the train pulled in the last stop, her wrinkled hand had scribbled a note on a pink piece of paper and handed it to me, Dean said. She told me, I don't know where you're headed, young man. But when you get there, read this. They hugged. And Dean said, I never saw that woman again. He hiked his way up to the top of Black Mountain in upstate New York. As he stood there reflecting on his life at the summit, he scrambled off the beaten path and found a place where he thought it would be good to end it all. As he reached in his pocket for his gun, he ran across two things. One was the note given to him by the old lady, Aaron. And another was something that he had forgotten was in his pocket. And it was his daddy's well-worn Bible. When he opened the Bible, he said a scrap of paper fluttered out. And on it in faded pencil had his dad's handwriting. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. His life verse. How strange, Simpson thought. 1013, that's police code on the radio for an officer needing assistance. He read the scripture and the message and the hope of salvation contained in it. And he said, at that moment, I no longer felt alone. I felt as if God had opened up the heavens and spoke to me directly. Then he opened up the note that Aaron had given. Here's what it said. Dean, life is a gift meant to be shared. As long as God is alive, don't ever give up hope. Merry Christmas. At that moment, Dean Simpson said, I heard God speak to me through the scripture and through that little note. And I chose life that day, he said, because God came down in my lowest moment. And friend, he comes down and reaches us at our lowest moment. Why? Because that's when we're ready to listen. And I don't know if you're at your low point today. I don't know if you've hit rock bottom yet. But you know what? There's a Savior who will meet you where you are. He came all the way down from heaven to earth to meet you today. And you can come and I'd love to pray with you. And, and if you need Christ, if you need to turn to Him and, and seek the gift and the blessing of salvation that only He can give, I'll meet you right down here.